and welcome back to Free Reeling in a Movie Podcast with two idiots talking about movies for a long time. I'm one of those idiots, Jesse, and with me today is the other idiot, Matthew. Say hi, Matthew. My name is Matthew, and I am an idiot. And he's proud about it, so am I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's an energy starting today. I wear two t-shirts a day. The one, the one that's closest to the skin is the one that says idiot on it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're doing as this recording you'll find out when we get to like uh um the second half of it that we're doing because we're recording two things at once spoilers for people um is that uh we're doing both of our favorite christmas movies back to back and oh this isn't my favorite this isn't my favorite (laughs) oh Oh, it's not i thought i thought it was a favorite no 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 i do i honestly well we'll get into it when we talk about it when that's we talk about it, but um but for, at least we're doing my favorite christmas movie yes uh first and that is the 1992 movie batman returns which came out two years before i was born and about how many years after you were born matthew i was 13 so you probably saw it in theaters yes i did no, I, it came out June nineteenth of nineteen ninety two, and that so I was twelve. I was five months away from turning thirteen, and I remember I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I remember walking out not liking it as much as the eighty nine Batman. Mm-hmm. But I was also like in sixth grade, about to be in seventh grade, so. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the old critical hat wasn't really <laughs> Matt hadn't evolved enough to to be the to be a to look at it with a super critical eye yet. But I still like I still I watched this movie today, mm-hmm. and I I think the one the the two the the one thing that's consistent between both viewings is this movie's wild. It's very and, wild. In a lot of ways, like, <laughs> like it, it feels like Burton was given way more money to just out and out play with mm-hmm. this this time out, and I actually think that this is the of of his earliest work. We'll say I think this is the most like modern Tim Burton of his early work. I in terms that. of in terms of like visual presentation, um, yeah, I agree with that. But oh, uh, and the other thing that struck me is like, holy crap, this really is kind of a Christmas movie. It's very much a Christmas. See, this is this is what my my argument for Christmas movies is long as the Christmas plays a crucial theme to the movie, which yes. I think it does for Batman Returns. That makes that more that so holidays movie. more so than people say about Die Hard. Like yeah. Die Hard is. Christmas is an afterthought, an ancillary thing that it's maybe mentioned once in the movie, but this is like a theme. Yeah, it's Christmas <laughs> all throughout this movie. Yeah, there's um, holiday cheer everywhere. Yeah, so I'm I'm totally I'm totally in the in the camp that like as long as the as the holiday is in the main theming or the main plot of the movie, then yeah, it's that holiday's movie. It's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not say something like. Uh, Oh gosh. Like 
the Dark Knight Return or Dark Knight Rises is not a Christmas movie, even though it takes place at Christmas time. Like it's just that that's not the case. There's just right. no reason. There's no plot that's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so where do we even want to start? I'll let you start more with your thoughts on it before I I, I go nuts. So, uh, I I was immediately just struck with how much I had forgotten about this movie. Like I did, I completely forgot that Christopher Walken is essentially the, the principal villain mm-hmm. in this movie. And, uh, and I, I, I forgot just how just odd everybody looks in it. Now, granted, part of that is, is the nineties. Like, I mean, I think the most down to earth, time we see a person in this film is uh michelle pfeiffer at the beginning yeah and then as she becomes as she becomes catwoman she definitely starts to lose that i don't i don't i I mean i i would i think she she loses relatability and becomes like part of the tapestry that is the universe i mean even Bruce Wayne and Michael Keaton in this film does not look down to earth. Everything mm-hmm. looks just completely accentuated. Um, and I think that Burton pulls a lot of his set design here specifically from like German expressionism from the silent era. Uh, and that's probably why, you know, in the nineties he was, or he was probably part of the, uh, he would be part of the uh, of like the goth kids like speak about cultural elements that they, that they would like like more oh, like Tim Burton movies or because of like Edward Scissorhands, Batman 1989 and even more so this on just about every count um, and I, I don't remember did the first Adams Family come out in 92 or was this the year adam's family values came out i don't remember um because i almost want to say that like it's it's almost like burton took a lot of his visual ideas from that aesthetic as well adam's family values came out in 93 but the adam's family came out in 91 so the adam's family came out before Okay, so so you could you could easily see like Burton looking at that goth mansion and and saying, "Hey, I'm going to pull this and make a city out of it." And yeah, and I, totally. think he, I think he did that really well. And I I also liked, I remember just ancillary things about myself at the time. Uh, I think at the time this came out, my mother was still working for, I don't remember if it was called Comtron or Ingram Entertainment at this time, but they distributed like media to sales outlets. So like uh we received we she brought home tons of movies all the time but she also brought home this catalog it was like a warner brothers catalog mm-hmm. and it was broken up into sections of like the warner uh stables of, of merchandise i guess at the time and i just remember the i remember that there, there was there were two things that i really liked in this catalog i never actually got them because they were stupidly overpriced but 
there were in the Batman section, which was like 20 pages of just Batman merch. Uh, there were like shirts and hats and jackets that had the giant uh, figures that are pulling the levers that you see at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it looks, and it, it just said it was just like Gotham Public Works. And I'm like, I think that's kind of cool for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, uh, this movie visually to me is still super striking. I think early in our interactions, I don't remember what you said about it from uh, the point. Of, I think you said it was a very feminist superhero movie. I, I like at the especially at where the time it came out, but I think even like nowadays, like the idea of how Catwoman is basically empowered to get her revenge nonstop mm-hmm. throughout it, and like she keeps getting beaten and bruised by these men including batman and oh, just, does, just does just doesn't stop until her revenge is completed but then still gets to live after it too like yeah. even more so with that like hint of a post-credit scene type thing that they do at the end mm-hmm. um that that to me it was like way more be like oh dang like this is way more like like feminist forward than i remember it being because i was sure. like mentally growing up and like even into my early 20s i remember watching and going like man this movie's kind of sexist isn't it and then like now re-watching i'm like no 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 this is like liberating in a way like how much it like it goes against like every like at the time this is more maybe second wave feminism if i'm if i'm remembering correctly like sure. the over the like the be more sexual be more this be more that um mm-hmm. kind of thing where it's like fighting against any trope inside of these kind of superhero movies that set before because before this all you really had was the superman movies and you had lois lane which um uh, mark Kidder, uh, uh is great in those movies but um it's very much like oh save me superman the entire time yep. right mm-hmm. and even like the first batman movie with vicky vale is very save me batman the entire time but she does have like some moments where she like fights back at the end where the whole time right. michelle pfeiffer is the, fe- the only real like female lead uh lady lead other than mm-hmm. the ice princess which is a different story um and which is the ultimate damsel unfortunately yeah. and but michelle pfeiffer just doesn't bend to anybody the entire time no. except for the very beginning which causes the origin mm-hmm. yeah, which so that, and, and and very much like i was like huh this really is way more this this really is way more feminist forward than than even i remembered and i didn't and i think it was also i was i don't remember when the last time i think the last time i saw this would have been in the late 90s because i didn't really seek out the i i've watched batman 1989 several times since but uh i have not watched this in at least 20 years uh so we'll, we'll say that um but yeah this is way more, I found the only person that I wanted to be redeemed this entire time was Selena Kyle and Catwoman like that was like, just like wow they, they they don't even really care about redeeming Bruce or or Batman it's it's like huh this is more of a Catwoman movie than anything after I think yeah yeah it's just, it's 
it's it's it's really like i think this movie there's a lot of like again there's a lot of problems i think there's a lot of problems with the third act of it overall where oh, it's a mess it's a it's 100 a mess yeah we're um uh who was the writer of this again because he's he's currently writing the sequel in comic book form um uh bob kane no bob kane's a, oh, one of the co-creators sam oh, ham Dan- um, daniel waters and sam ham yeah sam ham wrote the first one too um okay and like they resolve i think they shouldn't have resolved spoilers for a 30 year old movie at this point um yeah. they shouldn't have resolved oswald taking the firstborn so quickly because then the, these penguins that they never established come out of nowhere. And though it's a very cool set piece and everything, it just feels the most cartoony out of everything that's happened so far. And it's overall pretty grounded movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I kind of wish they just kept with the firstborns or somehow established the penguins as a backup. Um, Cause like, yeah, it just, it feels like very ham fisted at the end there. But I think the third act is saved with the final confrontation between Catwoman, Batman, and Max Shrek. 100%. 100%. Like, that's the only thing that really ties it all together because they're the only two going, we know who the bad guy is. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not Danny DeVito or the Penguin. <laughs> it is, it is Max Shrek. Yeah. Who is, Mr. Hyper Capitalist, I'm going to I'm going to siphon off power for my yeah. Legacy. With it's, this movie is also like super anti like billionaire in that way, which mm-hmm. like people always make that really what's the word for it? Not uh, unfriendly, but dishonest argument that if Bruce Wayne really wanted to do something, he would give away his billions, right? Like right, that's not yeah. the point of the comic, but we always see more than like Lex or somebody else in the universe that has these kind of millions. Bruce being very charitable with these things and trying to stop his company from doing nasty things like that. And they, right. and that's, this is, you're, you're about to lose the whole episode to me in a minute, if I'm not careful, but like, these are all these really small things that I think Burton understood, Keaton understood and uh, uh, Ham understood. There's these small quirks with the Bruce that make him the good billionaire in that way. Um, oh, 100%. Or, you see that you see that in several moments. It, yeah. I mean, the first time he and Walkins sit across from each other, he's like, I don't see what I don't see what you're doing here. Yeah, like what's <laughs> like this is all this is gonna do is hurt people. I, that's not yeah. what I'm here for. Um, and so there's a lot of that. Um, and there's a lot of these just really tiny things that just nail combo book stuff, which I think um the Nolan stuff does too very well. But it doesn't mm-hmm. do it a lot and it loses it in that third movie real hard oh 100 percent. I, well, I don't the, know does it lose it or does it throw it away yeah i think throwing it away is a bit more because i think the dark knight really does capture a really nice um bruce wayne and batman dynamic in a lot of ways that yes that both that both the burton movies and the first schumacher movies had perfect the entire time Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and a lot, of, and like growing up, I didn't appreciate it. And rewatching them all these last few years over and over again, like I have, I've really come to appreciate what Keaton and Kilmer kind of brought to the Bruce Wayne character. Yeah, George, George Clooney doing his best, uh, but I'm not gonna talk about that movie as much. Um, sure, but yeah, there's these really small things. Um, the thing I know, it's funny is I've seen this movie dozens of times. 
Um, and I think the, this is the first time I noticed something though, and it really caught me off guard, but they just, it's those, it's again, these small things that make this movie so special and perfect to me mm-hmm. is the first time Bruce Wayne meets Selena Kyle. He goes, Oh, don't I recognize you from somewhere? Don't like, I recognize me from somewhere? Oh, he's like, it, yeah. it, but it was like, he's like, but it was like almost saying it, but I was Batman at the time. Mm-hmm. And like, I never picked up on that. And I'm like, oh, 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 <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. so it's, it's, it's very good. Oh, uh, one thing I like is, is how, is it, is how Keaton plays the smitten role really well here. Um, and I, I think it's also, I think it's also written really well. And I, and I, I think, I think in terms of, um, in terms of, a like, I, I would say a foil rather than an absolute villain, uh, Catwoman is, and Mich- Michelle Pfeiffer and Catwoman play that yeah. part really, really well. But, but before I lose my own point, like, when you see, when he meets Selena, he's completely struck by her. And I also like how Christopher Walken is like, oh, didn't I kill you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and, but, and that, and, and the, the times they meet like throughout the rest of the film, it's always that he's like, hey, I really dig you. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and Selena Kyle at this point, uh, in her arc has kind of just had enough of of this and she's not going to be used for what for whatever purpose anymore and unfortunately when I think when that happens to any of us uh, we miss genuine affection mm-hmm. and we get we lose that in the in the in the fray but uh, but yeah this movie's wild. It's really wild. <laughs> I, I think um, the movie also has maybe one of, if not the best in comic movies or like these type of movies in general, it's in the top five or even second best. Cause I, I rewatched Spider-Man Homecoming recently too. And that one has one of the best ones also with mm-hmm. Michael Keaton, which is surprising, but yeah. the, oh crap, we know who each other are now mm-hmm. moments like the whole dance sequence in that third act at the beginning of that third act is yeah, take, take our masks off it's just like yeah they both, i love this they both use of go, window it's yeah, so they both good. go to a costume party not in costume because maybe who they're who they're, their normal facades are the cost like all of that like what is the real versions of both of them which this is something i think is um maybe we can do as a special episode now that we've tackled one of them we can do like the other two i think uh batman batman returns and batman forever is a, as a trilogy of bruce wayne trying to struggle with the dual identity okay and um and i think that and like the reason i think those are a trilogy because batman forever ends with him accepting being both like that's 100 percent that movie ends mm-hmm. um so i i love that reveal though of oh we know who each other are so well and like how they both react to how selena starts crying and bruce is like i like let's just let's just think through this let's take a moment and then penguin ruins it because they don't have time now to process any information 
No, nope. um, and it's it's the same thing where like in Homecoming, where Michael Keaton's figuring out who uh, who Tom Holland is, and like there's a red light on his face while he's puzzling it out. And as soon as he figures out, the light turns green. It's like yeah, all these is good. It's good cinema in these in these popcorn superhero movies. Really is, but I but I'm. I'm going to bring up the conversation we were we were having earlier, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Best superhero movie. I, I, I in my in my, in my personal list and and objectively, I think it now, is. Is it favorite? I mean, favorite, sure. Best. Well, I'm I'm trying to think like, other than, other than that third act problem where they mm-hmm. they kind of jank up um, Penguin's whole plan. And make it kind of goofy. I don't. Sure. I don't have issues with the pl- like the plotting is great. This movie's over over two hours, but it never mm-hmm. feels like it. Uh, yes, right. if you have the th- the biggest issue of this movie is you have to buy the aesthetic of what's going on. Oh, 100 percent. Well, I and mean, if, you could make the argument that that's just regardless of superhero or or non superhero. Like you, you if you if you're not buying it, you're not in. Yeah, but if you um, buy the the Gotham that Burton has you in, in the gothicness of it all, in the darkness of it all, like this is a tight move. The actors are being they're in their roles. They're and they're not like overacting. You could mm-hmm. say you could say um, Danny DeVito's overacting is the Penguin. I think you you can make that argument, but I think as the Penguin who's been living in a sewer for thirty yeah, years, forty years, this is a man who has no social skills. I think I think more so than ever this viewing, I was like, okay, I get this DeVito performance now. I yeah. get this choice. I get this performance because what was DeVito doing before? He was doing rather silly comedies most yeah. of the time. Um, but now, now I, I do want to. I do before we go any further. I do want to say. I don't have an answer for what's the best superhero movie. So I didn't, I didn't want you to say, well, which one's better and me go, well, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know what I like and that's really it. But, um, but I, 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 I see your point and your points having watched this today and it's still really fresh. Your argument is valid. I, so I think far. if we, if we look at, keep like, going. <laughs> I, I just think we look at what is considered the best superhero movies, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm talking about critically and fan opinion wise. Like we think about Iron Man one, we think about maybe the first Guardians. Like we think about these movies that have very solid plots. But not only that, the actors believe in in, in the movies that they're in, right? They believe yeah. the roles and the in that that makes the world feel to me um, like a real world. And you have Christopher Walken, like. Chris Walken is the easiest actor to overact in any scene, and he is so subtly evil in this movie. Yeah, it's like he's comfortable being this cartoonish shitbag, and, and like he's playing. He's, he's sorry, everybody in the audience. He's playing Trump. Like that, like he talks. Yeah, it's about exactly that's what he's, he's doing. Playing. It's exactly what he's doing. It's exactly what he's doing. And and then his his son Chip is playing Eric or one of the other sons. I don't know. What, whatever idiot um, male Trumps there are. Yeah. And like you have the mayor who's not even giving in to Max Shrek and like all like all these in these side characters, even the the goofy circus, right? Like mm-hmm. it, they're fun and they're smart. Um, like they're not dumb villains. Like no, they know they're how not, to they're hotwire not. the Batmobile after they get its technology. Like these are smart villains and they show it really well. Yeah, they're not fodder by any stretch. And they and, and they won't be they won't stand to be 
treated as such because midway in the third act when when clearly it has gone south for the penguin all of his hench people are they're just like nope we're we're done we're done yeah. here <laughs> we, we don't, batman's coming and he knows where we all are we're out yeah it, it's just kind of i don't know i i i have a ball every time and like there are parts of that first one with with nicholson and keaton and stuff where i kind of struggle in certain points um not struggle in in the sense of like man this movie's a slog but it's like oh man this movie feels unfocused and there's definitely issues with forever but as far as that trilogy goes like this is the strongest of the two this is burton on like at the peak of burton being like tight with his with his camera work and his like Mm -hmm. his cutting and his cinematography like this movie's still also all on sets and it, it barely feels like it. Maybe in that opening right. scene, it feels very set-like, but the rest of the movie feels very open. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I could talk about it this whole time. <laughs> no, and I could listen because, because I mean, I, I also know that like, if it, I, I, know who, I know who I'm in the conversation with. So if I, I know if we're talking about Batman, like I know how, I know how present batman is for you now and i know i also know how important this movie is for you so it's not like i'm going to sit here and try and try and come at you and say and try and deconstruct your opinion of it because i, w- I wouldn't that wouldn't be friendly that wouldn't be kind that would just be a dickhead <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I try not to be one of those mm-hmm. um but I'm actually really glad to have watched this again because a it had been so long b uh m- my perspective on it uh has changed through my own experience so much and just having this conversation today it's just like wow this is actually a this this conversation has made this movie better in my estimation which is which is something that it doesn't happen often but when it does it's nice um Um, do you have because like uh I, I think I could go into really minute details. I don't want to do that because that, that will just kind of bog the the, uh, the show down. Mm-hmm. But do you have any like scenes or moments other than like the big moments that you really like? Because I think this movie, like like the others, but this movie I think the most because everybody is so comfortable after that first one and then the new actors have to get comfortable in the second one is full of a lot of small moments between characters that are funny, but also can really heartwarming. Honestly, I like the I like the I like the Selena coming home sequence mm-hmm. where she's like, "Hi, honey, I'm home." Oh yeah, I'm not married, <laughs> and she talks to the I, I don't know if it's her cat or if it's a stray cat that she just feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that, that scene is does yeoman's work for character development. Mm-hmm. Um, because you get you get what kind of pressure she's under, what kind of stress she's under, and it's not just it's not just from work; it's stress from everything. She's being sold perfume because this will this will get her boss to ask her for to stay late for a candle night, a candlelit you know work session for two 
which is just like, whoo, marketing real hard there, Gotham City woman. Um, her parents call and leave message, messages and they sound like they, you know, have certain expectations of her as a, as a woman at her particular stage in life. And then she calls and leaves a message for herself and says, hey, now you, in case you have forgotten, you have to go all the way back to the office and get this file on Bruce Wayne for the meeting tomorrow. Just yeah. her little reminder, because she she just knows that there's a there's a chance she she could forget something. Um, and I think I think that's that statement. You know, early in a movie is a is a really good introduction, uh, rather than putting a character in dialogue with, you know, essentially extras to have her say all the things about her character it just it's it's a it's a very tight nice showing of who she is and where she's at um and then you then you see that scene again as essentially Catwoman. Mm-hmm. and while uh and I, I love the little touch that she has neons she has a neon sign in her bedroom that says hello there but when she transforms, she gets rid of the O and gets rid of the T, and now it's hell here. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's like this is this is one of the coolest like origin stories, just in terms of the way it's shot. I think, yeah, to me, and it, I I think that it, I think in, in times that I've had conversations about these movies uh, until today, like I had clearly forgotten about it but i also know that it was not given enough credit in conversations that i've had and i think that it is it is wonderfully done and i think for the first time probably in my adult life i actually think that this film is better than the 89 batman um i still think i still prefer the nicholson joker to the ledger joker but that's oh yeah totally that's just me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, that's, that's a subjective thing. Not like a, I have a thesis statement on why, but, um, but I think as a, as a film, I think this one is probably the best of the first three at this point. And Um, and I, 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 and I think I can agree with you. And I like also that Catwoman is supernatural, but it's so subtle that we don't question it. mm Mm-hmm. Like, like out of every character, she's the only character that's really supernatural. Like yep. Penguin's a mutant, and mm-hmm. and Batman is just a man, and Joker was just a man that got mutated, kind of. But mm-hmm. Catwoman is supernatural. She wasn't mutated. She wasn't infected with anything. She's just something. Something about it cracked. Yep, she just doesn't die right away. Yeah, if you count how many times she quote unquote dies in that movie, she dies eight times. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's on her last life. And like the like other than that, the only other supernatural really thing is when she screams in the in the the um greenhouse and all the windows break. Yeah. Like those are like the two supernatural things in that entire movie, really. But it's just so fascinating that they're there though. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I think if she, I think if that screen wasn't there, I wouldn't even question the lies. I would just assume she's durable. But adding yeah. that screen makes you go, wait a second, something's going on. <laughs> yeah, just out of out of the blue, nowhere. Yeah. Um. Now, before we get on to like what we've been watching and things, so I know that was Burton originally supposed to do a trilogy. I believe he was, and then he, there he didn't want to anymore, and so they he, they said, "Well, you can do Superman," and that's where the um, uh, Nicholas Cage Superman was birthed. Okay. But um, then that got canned too. Um, but let right. me see, let me look and see what the trivia says. Oh because wow, <laughs> half of Warner Brothers was taken up by Gotham City sets when they made this movie. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> uh, but let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. See, now I always wondered if, like, if I, I, I never knew if, I mean, this is back when I was, I wasn't even a teenager yet, or I was, I was 12 when this came out. But I always kind of wondered if there was supposed to be a third movie in this one and if it was stopped because Keaton backed out. Yeah. Um, I'm looking right now. What's funny is Keaton, the, the property that Keaton lives on to this day, because I was watching uh, recently a 60 Minutes interview with Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the property, he owns like a ton of acreage in like uh, middle America. And the property, he bought it with Batman money. So like he's living off the property he bought with the funds he made with Batman still good yeah um let me see i'm I'm still trying to see if there's like anything about a sequel this is the only sequel to one of his films that timber never okay they have a okay we know that yeah they were but they like sam ham had an idea for a third movie and that's why that's being made into a comic book right now i'm just trying to see if burn was even attached oh okay it would probably be much easier if i just went to wikipedia and looked up potential sequels let's see I'll, I'll, I'll look i'll look as well boom uh da, da, da. so there was going to be a catwoman spinoff according to this right yeah i do remember that it looks like burn had no interest to do another one um and warner brothers didn't want it to be as dark anymore okay um burton was gonna be direct the catwoman spinoff um and it was there. They turned in a script the day that Batman Forever was released. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, yeah, basically, they saw how much like family friendly Batman Forever was turning out to be, and the Catwoman script was not family friendly, right? Um, and so basically, it got canned for a while and it turned into the movie with Halle Berry. Yeah, that makes sense, and that didn't go well. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, this movie got, like, railroaded by parents because of how dark it is. It's a very dark movie comparatively to the first one. I I think the first one's pretty dark, though, personally. It's super dark, but, like, this is, 
this is, is dark that, color wise and everything too. this is that cartoon level of dark where it's it's not necessarily it's it's almost trying to use shadow to highlight it's, it's using shadow to draw rather than using um like i think it's almost as if the paper they started on was black construction paper rather than you know white paper that we normally start on yeah um and I, but I also think that that's part of its that's part of its charm. Like it's, it's it's very stylish in that manner, and uh, I think that I think that it succeeds on that rather than rather than fails. And Batman Forever, I think that was the last one of these I saw in theaters. Like to this day, I, I don't think I've watched Batman and Robin all the way through. I think it's interesting to watch it um, all the way through just to kind of see compared to even the first um, compared to the first Schumacher movie, how soulless it is, I think. Oh, yeah. I I would believe that 100%. This is something for me to do later. Uh, Not right now because it's long, but I found the the original Catwoman script and I'm very curious to read it and come back to you and tell you what it's like. but the basic premise of it too, this, and I think this goes back to how I thought Batman Re- Returns is a very feminist movie. Mm-hmm. The Catwoman script was going to take her to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, or Las, Las Vegas adjacent place that was run by superheroes and a bunch of male superheroes, and she was going to find out how much they were crap. And I'm like, oh, that. <laughs> that's interesting i could see why it didn't get made because that's a weird concept trying to sell the warner brothers on uh on um but anyways yeah it's it's just super interesting yeah yeah i'd i'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that you'll i mean i'd read it but also like i would i my insight into into comics and where this would kind of fall in yeah. that arena would would fall incredibly flat compared to yours so i would love to i would love to hear what you think about it yeah i'm very curious um but you've been watching anything i have been watching anything so this is funny because we're gonna talk about this stuff i, I feel like i should save a couple of these things for the next episode oh, of before. course of course um but i have watched a few things i've been watching the matrix movies um that's okay. a whole that's a whole to do because i haven't seen those first two in a long time um I think I watched them when they first came out on DVD as a kid, um, but I haven't, I haven't seen them since. And so going back to them, I, I realized how much of both of those movies I don't remember, which is rare for me. I usually remember quite a lot from movies, even if it's been like 10 years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are like basically a whole new experience. Um, but the, the movie I want to talk about the most, because we're talking about superheroes right now, mm-hmm. and that is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay. First time I've seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 ever. I finally watched it. Okay. And I'm here to say that movie is bad, but <laughs> but I cried at the end and I had a good time while watching it. Um, is it because of the side effects of the COVID booster I had where I had chills nonstop and I couldn't get warm and I was just feeling like garbage? Sure. Who's to say? Who's to say? I think that movie's issue is there's no solid main plot. 
but there's three main plots and so <laughs> in a movie that's only two hours and 18 minutes how do you deal with three major plots um right it's very rare that i agree with the, the idea that a movie has too many villains but this movie had too many villains like there was just too much going on and not even like too many villains like there's three villains in this movie too many villains are like there's a whole villain arc that isn't getting enough time because you have to build up a second villain arc mm-hmm. where like usually like batman and robin or batman forever or batman returns for example is the villain arcs are being built at the same time together um where yes you get the you get the origin story for the the riddler and batman forever and you get to meet two-face without really and get a really brief origin for two-face but they meet really soon in that movie Uh and then you can build from there and batman returns yes you get the origin for catwoman you get a brief origin for penguin but they eventually meet really early on in that movie and you build them together um the villains of the amazing spider-man 2 don't meet until the third act (laughs) <laughs> and so Jeez. so you're 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 spending 10 minutes with one 10 minutes with one 10 minutes with one 10 minutes and there's just no time to build together um right. and then yeah so i think there's a lot of really cool ideas i think the actors are really good in that movie i think the soundtrack is really cool in that movie um but the plot just isn't doesn't work okay so that's that's the only movie i want to talk about right now for for this episode okay how about you matthew um so i did watch a film um, and I would was kind of like buoyed by the Matrix talk of late. I can't stand the Matrix movies. That's totally understandable. I get that. I and I don't and and honestly, I will say this. And and I know the Matrix movie. The, the original Matrix came out in 1999. And when I did see it, I. I remembered how much praise it got and how um, it seemed to be a cultural event of sorts. But I had seen another movie a year earlier called Dark City. Have you ever seen Dark City? I have not seen Dark City, but I do know of Dark City. Have you ever heard of the, the early 20th century movie Metropolis? The, I know I've heard of it, but no. Okay, so the it is it, it was one of those things that like I learned I learned this later because I didn't see Metropolis until I until I went through a big silent film, you know, phase where I was just watching a lot of them. I watched Metropolis and uh, I'm like, oh shit, this is Dark City and The Matrix. Like that's exactly what this is. These two films are just takes on this. I didn't like The Matrix because. I thought that it was just doing what Dark City did, and then but instead you put you know Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine in it or whatever goth industrial rock soundtrack du jour, and um, teenage sex symbol Keanu Reeves in it, and all of a sudden everyone loves it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was very much the insufferable teenager at that point, despite almost being 20. Um, but I I did I went and watched Dark City again. Like that's basically where I'm going. And I still think that movie is just wonderful. And I would <clears throat> I kind of wish people looked at that movie more now 
I probably need to watch the original Matrix again just because it's been 15 years since I last watched it. Um, and I need to actually get over myself a little bit if and when I do watch it again. I just need to be like, hey, Matt, stop being a dick about this movie. Just take it for what it is and see if you can enjoy it. Um, but uh, so I watched Dark City. I love that movie. That movie has such it's such has such style. Uh, it's such a good um, sci-fi question. Uh, as to who I am, why am I going here? What does this mean? What is what? What are memories? What are consciousness? It's so, it's so good. Uh, it's way more ambitious than than it lets on, and I love that about it. So, mm-hmm. it's directed by Alex Proyas. Came out in 1998. I remember sitting in the Fleur uh, movie theater. I think it was Fleur Four in the 90s. And I remember being one of like two or three people in the theater the, the night I saw it. I remember getting yelled at by my parents for getting home so late because I went all the way to the south side of Des Moines to watch a movie. It was wild in Iowa, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, Dark City is wonderful. You should watch it. I plan on it. I heard like it is like, quote unquote, the better Matrix by a lot of people. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently on on uh on my uh, podcast about video games we did our we did our game of the year stuff and at one point during our pre-discussions of it i decided i was going to change all the categories to it and one of the i was going to change all the categories that we made up for like you know like best uh like favorite um favorite fight or favorite boss fight or favorite story or whatever i basically changed all the characters to or changed all the award titles to just movie shit and one of them i said this is the dark city is actually the better matrix award (laughs) 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 and i said don't worry don't mind me i'm just being i'm just being a dork and they're like wow you are a dork you're like wasn't lying wouldn't sell you a false bill of goods (laughs) Matthew, where can uh, people find you on the internet? You can find me at infinite underscore rewind everywhere I'd like to be. Uh, it's Twitter. It's Instagram. That is, uh, if, if, you, if you do play video games, I'm infinite underscore rewind just about everywhere, except for maybe Xbox, where I am something else, but that's, we'll save that for another time. Uh, I do host or co-host two other podcasts, um, both of which at this time will be on break uh so i will be but they will not be going on till about early january or mid january uh but i the aforementioned podcast i am part of where we talk about video games is called story route zero we generally just stick to what we're playing and possibly some news uh, and then the other podcast is uh trivial merit with our mutual friend caroline she and I pick a, an artist or a style of music every two weeks, and we come up with an eight-song playlist to get us from a negative headspace to a more positive one. And we talk about the artists a little bit, like our last two episodes of this season are gushing hard about the Rolling Stones. Um, I mean, it's, a good, it's good episodes. I I did not. It's the Rolling Stones are one of those bands I always forget how much I like until I'm listening to them. And man, the Rolling Stones are really fucking good. You should listen to them. Yeah, I know, Bagel. The Rolling Stones are great. Just just, just please just agree with me on this one. 
<laughs> Jesse. Uh, you can find me uh, most places at Sleeper of the Bed. I do an extra podcast called Why Comics. You can find that at Why Comics Pod on Twitter. Um, you can find this show on Twitter at Free Reeling It. You can email us about anything you, you want to email us about movie related wise at mm-hmm. Free Reeling It at gmail.com. Um, theme is done by Matthew. It is done by my friend Jason, who goes by Dead Eye. That's D E A D dash the letter I, all caps. You can find his work on Spotify. His first album, Bloodshed Kingdom, is out there. It's also on Bandcamp. It's everywhere you can buy the musics. Uh, but prior to that, he was also a part of the Hope Street Steppers, which released one of the best reggae albums I've ever heard in 2013. Bloodshed Kingdom is wonderful as well. If you like instrumental reggae, that goes a little more a little more places than just upstrokes and one drops uh both albums are a fantastic time and remember everybody that um uh, batman returns uh best superhero movie that's final there's no argument here uh you cannot uh argue me about this at all because i will not reply <laughs>